Welcome to the OTL podcast. Uh, recently, we did an interview with Chris Honor, and I'm delighted to have been asked, which means a big change because usually people are dragged on here kicking and screaming. Um, but I've got Evan Balfour with me, and Evan, you were keen to come on, so so thank you very much for that. But great to see you. I, I can see you over Zoom, so uh, people listening won't be able to. But but how are you getting on? How are you? I'm very well. I mean, uh, you know, this is a tough time. I doubt, and uh, but I'm getting there. I've, you know, there's been a few big changes in my life. The latest one is probably the the split up of my marriage and what have you. But uh, you know, everybody's good. The girl, my daughters, I've got four daughters. They're good. So onward and upward. Well, let's take a, st- a step right back to, uh, I mean, you've helped me by giving me some contact details for people who could help me fill in a bit about your early football career. Uh, yeah. But but let's go back even back to the, the beginning. So what was the young Evan Balfour like? What were you like at, at school and how did you get into football in the first place? Yeah, I think I was typically, you know, down the park, jump us for goalposts, all that carry on. And I love being outdoors, love playing sport, regardless of what it was. But the school that I went to had a rugby team, so didn't have a football team, which maybe indicates, you know, my playing style is uh, where that's come from. But, yeah, so I played rugby at school right up until I was about 15. I played football when I got home out in the park, but when I left school... I didn't fancy the former pupils thing, the rugby scene. Guys, well, they just know my cup of tea, they were into heavy rock and all that, and I thought, no, nah, no getting involved there. So then I joined a football team, and yeah, and just kind of progressed through playing for various youth teams. Yeah, one of my youth teams, I played with Darren Jackson, and I remain friends with Dan, great friends with Dan to this day. And it was quite a good side I played with, Scottish Cup and these kind of things. So I suppose I was progressing, yeah. So where, but you went to school in Leith, is that right? And that's, sort of that's right, yeah, Leith Academy, I was at. Okay, uh, and then where's, so when you get into football, where are the clubs that you're playing for? Are they around about Leith and Edinburgh or further? Yeah, 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 I played with a few... Leith United, Salveson, Tynecastle, and then latterly, when I was 18, I played with a team called Melbourne Thistle, and they were pretty successful. Again, Scottish Cup final kind of stuff. Uh, And then from there, uh, that's when I made the move to junior football with a team called Bonnera Grows. And that, that kind of step up with, uh, you know, you're, you're effectively you are playing against men. And that really brought me on, you know, really changed things for me. The, the, the physical aspect, you know, you really had to, you know, I'm a quite a determined person and I hated getting beat and stuff, you know. So, yeah, that was a, that was a big thing, playing against men and humping up your game. And... When you're growing up, are you a football fan? I mean, did you along to see Hibs or Hearts or anybody else supporting yeah, you in the family? Hibs was my team. I, I was brought up uh, in Albion Road, mm-hmm. and uh, which is the same road as the, the Hibs, Easter Road Zone, the Hibs ground. I didn't go to see them that much, but because I was obviously playing or, or, or whatever, you know, but Hibs was my team. And it is my team, you know. I'm not fanatical, you know, I don't go to games. But, you know, if it came to, you know, people ask me and I say, yeah, I'm a hip supporter. Yeah. 
so you joined Bonnie Rig Road and we're sitting recording this the night after they gave an excellent performance in the Scottish Cup and we're, we're really unlucky not to uh, to be yeah. there um, but, but yeah, yeah. Football, uh, you then you put me in touch with George Fairley who was uh, your junior manager when you went to Whitburn uh, and yeah. I think probably a, a key figure in your football career yeah. and in your life more broadly yeah, for then. sure how did the move to Whitburn come about and, and, and why were you attracted to to make that move because presumably that's less easy for you in terms of uh, getting to training and, uh, and yeah. serious. Yeah, probably going back to Darren Jackson, his future brother in law came from Whitburn, uh, Jim Stewart, and he he was always on him. He me play for Whitburn and stuff. And out of the blue, my boss at uh, Bonnerig says, Whitburn, I've come in to sign you. Do you want to go? And I thought, yeah, I think because at that time, Whitburn were probably a better team than Bonnerig. I kind of thought, aye, let's go for it. Let's, um, and I had a friend who played for them as well that played when I was younger. And so the travelling wasn't as bad. Uh, we were able to share, share a car and share lifts and what have you. So, yeah, it was good. And... I was pretty, you know, I was obviously really impressed with George and his manner and his, you know, he was a kind fella. And, and alongside, alongside him was his brother, Brian Fairley, who was clued up uh, tactic-wise and, and what have you, and different training methods. And it was, it was different from what I had uh, experienced with Bonnerig. And so the combination of them both, George was still playing at the time and his man management was brilliant and it just hit hit the spot with me and, and brought me on for sure. And the, the junior football scene, I mean, it seems to me reading a bit about the history of Airdrie, quite often we would get players from junior clubs. Uh, I mean, yourself, you're an example, but but going back, uh, I think Billy Wilson and Drew mm-hmm. Jarvie had, had joined Airdrie and had been massive players yeah. and both come in from, I think, Coastside Rangers. So uh, it was a definite route for um, not only recruitment, but I get the impression that bigger clubs would have sent players out to the juniors and they say, like, they make the joke to toughen them up, but that was probably a, yeah, yeah. a key part of it. However, it, it feels as if a lot of big clubs are now moved to academies in their own youth system or reserve <laughs> sides. Uh, and yeah. the, the junior scene is still there, but it, it's kind of, in terms of player progression, it's maybe fallen out of fashion a bit. I mean, you've already spoken about it was it was key for you. Uh, do you think that's that's a mistake? Do you think we should still be looking to uh, the juniors more than more than we do at the moment? Um, I think it's, it seems to be going untapped at the moment, and the emphasis is put more on academies, etc. So I think. You know, bigger clubs, premier clubs, yes, I can see, the, you know, the, the, the bringing through your own kids, through your academies, I can see that, that that, you know, has potential, doesn't always work. And so I think there's probably a bit of both, you know, that can influence uh, football teams, as in, you know, take guys, bring young kids through an academy, and, you know, guys still develop at different stages. I mean, I, I was, I was oh, 23 or something by the time I went to Airdrie, mm-hmm. which is relatively old. And I do believe, you know, there's some, you know, guys being missed just because of the, of the emphasis on, you know, well, let's do the academy thing and uh, make sure that... Uh, we make, you know, we get the best out of them. But ultimately, for me, um, players to, 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 to develop and become, you know, first-team pros, they really, really have to want it. And so to get a guy playing at junior level, you know, you know, in his 20s, early 20s or, or mid-20s or that, he's obviously really wanting to play football. And I think that's a, a, a massive part of football players nowadays, you know, especially, you know, most of the young kids coming through. I'm not so sure if uh, 
to have that desire because, you know, they've been picked up as young boys, ferried about backwards and forwards to training camps and, and academies and, and what have you. I mean, that would drive me nuts. You know, two, three nights a week. I just, you know, maybe certain individuals will, that will appeal to them, but certainly not for me and my, my situation, you know. And uh, I do believe, you know, you need players with that desire, that determination uh, to play football and, and, and play at as high a standard as possible. You know, that's what I believe in. You joined a Whitburn team that was had already been successful, but had more success when you were there. I think you win the you win the league. And, yeah, yeah. And speaking to George, seven of his players moved on, a few to right. senior, including yourself. Um, yeah. There's a question that I really like the answer that, that Paul Jack gave me. But I mean, George has told me what he saw as your key strengths. But let's pump up your own tires a bit here. What, what, what made Evan Balfour a good footballer? Mm-hmm. I think my my attitude, determination, fitness, I think they were key things, more so than ability and, and skills and stuff, you know. You know, I believe a team is made up of different elements and certainly I wasn't more in the, the ability element. I was more sort of engine room, make sure we get the ball and keep the ball that was my that was my strengths, definitely. You must have spoken to George before this. He's almost word for word with. Uh, Is with that him. right? He emphasised your fitness. He said uh, a real ability to get about the park and and to break it. I mean, so you see the different elements of the team. Um, well, did he say elements? Well, he he said well he he described you as potentially the rat in the team, <laughs> but like a, almost a, a midfield enforcer there. To you would really seek out the ball, uh, break up the other team, uh, and you had the fitness to do that throughout the match. And so he he, he basically said. Had you stayed with him, he was very confident you'd have got Scotland junior caps, um, but he also wasn't surprised when a senior team come calling. Something strange that he'd said to me um, was was just about um, when you did move to Airdrie, that was a case of yourself, George, uh, meeting up with George Pete and Gordon McQueen, uh, and then just looking through some dates and stuff. uh, It looks to me as if Gordon McQueen was kind of key in scouting you, but by the time you signed for Airdrie, he's moving on at that same time. Is that yeah. right? I think I played one game. In fact, it was my first game for Airdrie's first team. I was sub at the end of the season and I think it was against Clyde. Can't remember the score. But yeah. And that was that was the only game that my late father seen me play for the first team of, of Airdrie. And, I mean, Gordon McQueen massive name Scotland internationalist big yeah. leads uh, was it quite a buzz to, to do the recruitment yeah. to with him to be able to speak to someone like that yeah it was amazing you know because I remember the World Cups and what have you and you know the home internationals were going on at the time or had just maybe the might stop it yeah so massive icon big fella Softly spoken, nice guy. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I like him. And did you know much about Airdrie prior to making the move or, or to, prior to their approach? Not really, to be fair. I was aware of Airdrie. I knew, I knew about the, the, the diamond on the strip and I found that that was, you know, it's fairly unique, uh, which is great. But never, you know... They weren't on telly much. Yeah, kind of off the radar a bit for me. And what was it like walking into Broomfield as a new player? Is it quite daunting or was it a welcoming changing room? Did you did you know anyone in the changing room already before you joined up? I didn't. And I did find it fairly daunting because I I knew most of the players in there, ability-wise, would be better than me. But also knew that they wouldn't have as much passion and determination as me. But, you know, the chat and 
the chat and changing rooms can be brutal sometimes. And yeah, it took me a wee while to, you know, sell myself in and uh, feel comfortable. But uh, there's one thing you, you just like your your talking, uh, you're playing on the park to do your talking for you. And once folk realised what kind of person I was and how committed I am to the cause, they got it. And there's there's a fun side to you as well. So George spoke up, like, uh, and and Chris Owen has spoken about this as well. Just your uh, in terms of you being a good teammate and uh, being like the life and soul of the the dressing room since then. So George spoke about any away day you'd be entertaining them all with singing. You've got a, a, a love of music. I mean, there's a good point. You're a very keen and talented musician. Did that come along before the football, after the football, or just always both been there? <laughs> that was going on probably about the same time as uh, the football. You know, I was one of them, a night out, and then at the end of the night, you know, sing song, got everybody involved and, and stuff. I loved all that. But I certainly wasn't involved with, uh, with bands or anything like that. I didn't play an instrument at that time, but I loved the, I loved the carry on for that uh, at that time, you know, in nightclubs and getting the DJs night. I remember I was in uh, Cinderella's in Edinburgh one night and had a guest appearance by a woman that was in EastEnders, kind of my dirty den's wife. Kind of I guess she was in the show, wasn't she? And it, the, the number yeah. with Everybody Falls in Love or whatever it was to the tune of East End. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I remember the DJ says, Evan, go and sing a song. I, uh, I sure have forgot I'm sat in New York, New York. I mean, when I think back now, Christ almighty, what a cringe. And she's standing there in front of me and I'm singing it. Oh, Christ almighty. But is uh, Angie Watts is a fictional character. Angie Anita, Watts. Anita, Anita, Anita Dobson. There you go, Anita oh, Dobson. Anita Dobson. Anita Dobson. That's the one. My God. So you said I needed her when she thought she was making a, a guest appear. No, that was it. Aye. So, so what's the challenge like to go? So you're the life and soul of things at Whitburn. If there's an away day, then you'll keep them all entertained. But as you see, yeah. it's almost like starting a new school. You walk into the the, the pavilion, oh, and, and you can't. You ended up being like that because I know from uh, well, Chris Honor told me that on his stag doing was it Magaluf? Uh, yeah. You all went into a, a bar which had nobody in it, and then by the end of the week, uh, it was Evan Balfour show and it was sold out every <laughs> every night. Yeah, so man. You kind of taken over there and become famous. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not really. I'm not an extrovert by any manner of the means, but I do. You know, if you're going out, you've got to go out and have a, you know, a carry on. And yeah, I suppose, you know, because I, I was always singing and what have you, a couple of beers in you, you know, it's a, it's a natural thing to me. Yeah, yeah, Magaluf, Jesus. We used to go there. I think we went six years in a row when I was there. Uh, five, well, maybe five years in a row to Magaluf at the end of the season. Oh my word! Uh, yeah. So, so in terms of how do you approach it? Then? So you go into you go into Airdrie, you go into Broomfield. You can't mm. presumably go in uh, being large as life on the first. No, stage. no, I would never do that. No. But so, so is that quite difficult, or just a case of get your head down and uh, and you'll yeah, get pretty much. enough. At the end of the day, you know, regardless of how you are in a dressing room, you know, if you're really big time in a dressing room or the quietest man ever. It's it's really what you do in the park. That's that's what defines you, really. You know. But you did have guys there who were pretty mouthy in that. Um, and initially you're like, oh Christ, he must be good. And then they're, they're pretty mediocre. And you know, but you and you'll get that. You know, you get that in every kind of workplace or and certainly in that football dressing room. That you get that. Uh, so. You then become a first team player at your trip. I mean, you said you did your debut on the the bench. That can happen instantly. Yep. But there's a change in manager. I just wonder about how did you two 
managers that you had, Jimmy Bone and, and Alex McDonald. I mean, do you yeah. talk us through what, what were they like for, for your career? What did you think of their coaching? How did they differ? I think uh, Alex was he was a better man manager, I would have said. I mean, I don't want to slaughter Jimmy because Jimmy was a good gaffer as well, for sure. Um, I think Alex was more devoted to the team. I think Jimmy had his own aspirations, personal aspirations. I think Alex McDonald was just full on, created the team, which him and the backroom staff were all part of. He was, uh, yeah, he, he was the best for me. But Jimmy, Jimmy was good as well, and the training was good. But I think uh, Alec edged it with professionalism and the guys that he brought in, John McVeigh, John Binney. It was just, it was a perfect balance of technical stuff, fitness stuff, and man management, encouragement. And he knew, he, he knew exactly players needed, you know, what players needed uh I know an arm around them or a kick of the arse. You know, he, he, he could nail it right away. And he, he got, you know, as so Airdrie went over and above uh, achievement wise. And he done that to us individually. So as a team, we overachieved. Individually, we overachieved. Now, now that's all because of Alex. You know, to bring the best out and, and, the players and you know he certainly brought a lot more out of me than what I had thought was going to be was in there yeah pretty amazing to be fair uh, I guess there's kind of two different teams as well as the two managers there so you join a, a very ambitious Airdrie uh, and there's, yeah. the, there's the promotion push which is um which comes to a climax on the last day of the season up at Kirkcaldy uh, mm. with you scoring the goal uh, probably a lot earlier than most of us <laughs> would have liked because yeah. it, it was a very long yeah, game sure was. But, but what, so what's that day like what's it like to be involved in uh, wider than that I mean the, the promotion push the, 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 you'd missed out the season before uh, but mm. that season you, you kept going but it was tight all the way to the end uh, yeah. did you enjoy being in the midst of that yeah 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 it was amazing it was amazing. I probably didn't appreciate the the gravity of it all. I mean, I, I was obviously, you know, I was working, you know, with fire service at the time, as a lot of the guys were, to be fair. Um, uh, guys had other jobs and, and what have you. I had other uh, concerns and, you know, this came about you playing in the Premier League. Oh, wow, this is massive. But at the time, I didn't, I suppose, I, I, I didn't really appreciate how big it was and how much it was going to affect me. And I just rolled with it. And, you know, uh, of course, the day at uh, Kirkcaldy, it was just wild, you know. I, you know, I, I've been through Airdrie, you know, a few times since. Obviously, quite a, a few times since, and uh, the chat about that day and the stories is just off the scale, you know, just crazy. Yeah. I mean, it must be what it was 1991, wasn't it? So, what, 30 years ago that yeah. we come out for at the end of this season. Uh, That's and what were the celebrations like? I mean, I remember, I was very young, but I remember being. On the pitch, and you, and you guys were all like up in the in the stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left yeah. and kind of, of uh, I Graham Har- I remember distinctly Graham Harvey had been like stripped off down there, like he's he's wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but was it I mean, was it just wild celebrations? Am I able to yeah. enjoy the bus trip back? Oh, it was it was brilliant. It was so good, and uh, we went uh, a few bruisers. I remember in the high street and singing songs, you know, so we went in on mass, the team with the suits and all that on, went in, started with a big sing song and then moved on to the next pub. It was just brilliant. I mean, one of the things I was keen to ask about, there was then a bit of a transition in the team, so 
I mean, Jimmy Bowen leaves having got Airdrie promoted. Alex McDonald comes in. He brings in some guys that he's known from from Hearts. So yeah. Jimmy, uh, Kenny Black. Um, I'm trying to think who else who else would have joined about that time. But but there's guys like Graham Harvey and John Watson uh, who yeah. key to the promotion push. Oh, then maybe don't get the chance. Was yeah. that, is that quite hard uh, to see? And then are you worried yourself that? Well, here's a new guy come in, doesn't know me. You've already spoken about you. You're from the part-time staff. Yeah. Were you concerned that your face might not fit into his plans at that point? I never really, uh, you know, if that happened, then so be it. You know, I, you know, I wasn't worried either way, really. You know, I, I, I would have been, ups, you know, upset, I would say, if I was, if I was let go. But I would have understood, you know, if, if they wanted to go completely full-time. I mean, they asked me to go full-time on many occasions, but, you know, it'd be suicide, you know, for me, you know, with, you know, my pension and what have you to throw. But, of course, my mother, you know, she's she was like, oh, go for it, Evan, go on, be a football player. You know, but my father would be bubbling in his box. Uh, I mean, you, you've touched on that a couple of times there. So how difficult was it for you to juggle? Uh, your good friend George suggested that you were very, very good at being able to swap shifts uh, yeah. to, to, to miss as few training sessions as, as possible. But, I mean, you, you, you've... I expect if you're missing a training... Say, if you're missing, sorry, a, a shift or swapping a shift, yeah. presumably that means that you're not... It doesn't just disappear. You need to work. Get from no. You you work it after a, a training session or, or whatever. So, so yeah. how stressful was it juggling the two? At the time, I didn't think it was a. It just used to worry me. You know, if I could get it sorted, I never thought it would. It would affect me. Laterally in life, and you know that's just one of many things that you know has kind of affected me later on in life, but. So at the time, I was just, you know, I had guys at the station who were were happy to uh, help me out. And, you know, I would maybe get them a couple of briefs if we were playing at Tynecastle or, or, or Easter Road. But, you know, it was pretty hectic. And probably to the detriment of my first marriage, <laughs> I... Uh, you know, just constantly, I was either through and through training or playing, or I was at the fire station. I mean, that was my life. And it was, you know, I had a young kid at the time and stuff. And it just, you know, it did have an effect. But, yeah, it was, it was crazy times. Crazy times. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I actually, see, when I finished playing football, there was a massive weight off my shoulders just to be able to just go ahead and, and do my, you know, job in the fire service. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's like, because I, I, I imagine that I've no experience to base this on, but but for mm-hmm. the fire service, it could be peaks and troughs. So, so at one extreme, you might be at something like the plastic factory blown up in, in Mary Hill. I think Brian, mm-hmm. Brian McPhee was a footballer and a fireman at that time, so having to see mm-hmm. or uh, road traffic accidents, things that are yeah, really willing. But then you might get some weeks where actually uh, there's not too many call-outs and for mm-hmm. recovery and everything you'd want to do as an athlete, uh, yeah. it's, it's ideal. So is, is that right? I mean, could it be all over the place, like some easy weeks where it helps your performance and other weeks where you're knackered on a Saturday when it's three o'clock? Yeah, I, I mean, I try to keep it, I tried even not to mention it at the gaffer. And, you know, so I'll give you an example. Um, the first time um, I played at Ibrox, there was a couple of things happened. I was night shift that night, so I'd arranged for a guy to hang back. So I've arrived at Ibrox, I'm playing, I'm lined up in the tunnel with, you know, all the superstars that they had at the time, you know, Trevor Stephen, Gary Stevens, McCoy, uh, the whole shebang. And uh, so I'm standing in the tunnel and I'm thinking to myself, Chris, I hope uh, Andy, I hope Andy's 
you know, remembering to hang back from it tonight, you know, for me to go night shift. He's coming off day shift and going to hang back. Anyway, so I'm standing and this this boy taps me on the shoulder and it's, uh, I think they had rock steady uh, security. So he taps me on the shoulder and, and of course I'm all G'd up to go out in this game. And uh, I, I looked around and it was a boy for Sight Hill Greenwatch. He went, you're fucking night shift tonight. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, absolutely doing in the floor. Christ almighty. Oh, it was funny. It was funny. And of course, when they said your night shift tonight, Mark Kately and uh, Trevor Stevens, I turned around and kind of looked at him as if I had two heads. Kind of like, what? And they, they probably think your night shift with rock, sh- uh, rock steady security, right? Yeah. The fire exactly. as well. Uh, there can't be too many players in the, the Premier League get that shout uh, going yeah. the tunnel. So then, after that game, I think we got beat 2 0 or 1 0. And I, I had an agreement with Doddy that um, I can miss any debrief after the, the match. I'll just jump in the shower, jump in the car, and boom, back through the M8. So that's what I've done. And I've got through Edinburgh. The back of the station, Andy was waiting at the back door, ready to go. So this is about half six. And uh, so I've seen her just wave and say, get yourself away. And I neighbor. Uh, so I've went in the station. I've just went into the locker room and the bells go down for a turnout. And I'm like, oh, shit and balls. So I've... I went through to the locker room. I've got all my, my gear, my leather boots and the, the helmet and all that. I've, I'm driving. I've thrown it in the back of the motor and I uh, jumped in. The gaffer says, what's going on? So I'm bombing doing leaf walk and I got halfway doing it. I thought, I'm still in my club suit. I've still got the tie on, the white shirt and the blue suit. <laughs> no, this is, this is madness. Was it often like that, Evan, or is that uh, that as bad as it could be? Sometimes was it okay? Uh, That was was pretty normal. Yeah, pretty normal. You know, just going for, you know, one extreme. So if a plane maybe just up the road at Easter Road and I'd be night shift and, you know, I'd... I'd be going to turnouts that night, so Saturday night, I'd be going to turnouts because my station was in Leaf. And uh, folk would be going, you were playing football today. You know, <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. Because so, uh, one of the things I'd wondered was, is, right, right, so Airdrie have always got the struggle between, should we be a full-time club or should we be a part-time club, especially? Yeah the way the tendencies have, have kind of dwindled since your time with us. Uh, yeah. I, I did have it down here as, as the fire service, a, a job that would be quite complimentary in terms of, uh, I mean, teamwork's key, certain qualifications, coolness under pressure, you need to mm-hmm. have a, a good level of fitness, all these things. But from mm-hmm. what you're saying, uh, maybe in a part-time setting that could work, but to the extent that your Saturdays are going to be, well, you can't be on yeah. day shift if you're playing Enough. and if you're going on and exactly. it's yeah. really difficult. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's certainly guys nowadays. I know a couple of guys, you know, like Sir Brian McPhee, um, it was tougher for him probably than than me. I mean, it was pretty easy for me to swap shifts and, and what have you, but I think they really clamped down on it, you know, you know, because I used to miss shifts during the week so I could go to training and stuff. I was desperate to play football but you know I've got this career here you know and, and many times I had gaffers saying to me gaffers at uh, the fire station saying right Evan what do you want to be do you want to be a football player or do you want to be a fireman you know and uh, my answer all the time was fireman but I, I, it must be difficult from their perspective looking at you as a Premier League player or you're turning out in a Scottish Cup final for Airdrie. So yeah. they'll see that as, well, that's a that's a proper big-time footballer. He may ask yeah. me making loads of money, but I suspect at Airdrie that was never the case. No, 
No. No. Yeah. I'll be in the gags. <laughs> so in terms of your teammates then, so who who did you develop close friends with? I, I understand there was a, a car school from, from through the east with a, a legendary, was it a ladder that you all piled into? was from Archers. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, who was in the uh, who was in the car school with the good so, uh, at that time uh, it was myself, Big Jock, Jimmy Sanderson and Walter Kid. And that was uh, yeah, that that was just banter all over the shop. <laughs> it was it was just in this sort of I don't know if you remember the ladder at the time. <laughs> they had a, the, one of the colours of the cars was this sort of creamy, mustardy, horrible, horrible colour. With an entry badge slapped on the side. <laughs> and we used to, so that was the time that we were playing in, in the Premier League. And uh, it was like, who's taking, the, who's taking the cargo? And I'm like, at the time, I was staying in Leith, you know, I says, I can't take the car home, I'll get burnt out. <laughs> so, I, Big Jock, he used to take it a lot, Jimmy used to take it, yeah, and then we just, you know, we'd, we'd drive somewhere, if we were, sh- um, if we're training uh, one morning, uh, we'd just we'd meet at the Mayberry, and right outskirts of Edinburgh, and then, uh, the dog just pile on it and drive through. But um, I, it was a beauty, like. Okay, good, good company, those guys? Yeah, yeah, really good. Really good, that. Yeah, I, it, so you talked about the, the hearts influx when Doddy arrived. To be honest with you, I hated Jimmy, I hated Walter, I hated Kenny Black. <laughs> I think they were fucking scumbags. <laughs> but Amazing, you know, within hours of being in the company, it was like, you're bang on, you're good fellas. Yeah, it was, uh, it was funny, funny. I uh, used to think they were smelly because they were for harps and all that. Did they know that you were a heavy, or did, 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 you, did you explain that to them, or uh, did you keep it quiet? No, uh, no, well, they knew pretty early doors that I was of the other. Persuasion of Edinburgh. Yeah, I was in the clean side. <laughs> uh, but, but other than the, the guys that you travelled with, have you, have you remained close? I mean, I know Chris, you gave me some uh, before yeah. I spoke to him, you gave me yeah. some. Top, top, to top blokes. Uh, and then the Glasgow crowd, so. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know what, Colin? I, there's nobody there, and I can say that genuinely, hand in heart. There was nobody there that wasn't, you know, part of, you know, this group thing that we had as a team. There was no arseholes. I mean, obviously there was times where folk were maybe angry about something and and what have you, but there was no fallouts as such. The arguments and, and, you know, as a, you know, any successful team, there should be, you know, disagreements and, and what have you, but you know, as a team, tight ass. And how full-blooded was training? So you're known as the Beastie Boys. Yourself, you're an uncompromising centre uh, center midfield. Mm-hmm. You've plenty off you. So, so was eleven asides in training? Could it get? Could that get quite heated? Yeah, yeah. It, it would. I and it was. I would say it was encouraged. In fact, as far as we used to, we would split the, uh, the squad and training between it'd be either at best the best ones were uh, east coast and west coast yeah and then and this is Doddy doing this then it would be Catholics versus Protestants yeah, that like was Doddy. the worst yeah. ones <laughs> yeah that was the worst ones uh, I, yeah it was pretty full on but good and, and and enjoyable. That was the main thing. It was so enjoyable. And when you're playing at Whitburn, could, could you 
you're almost going to be ambitious. And George said he he had faith that you would uh, get to the level. But I mean, to join Adrian and play Premier League, Scottish Cup final in 1992, going to play mm-hmm. in Europe, uh, I mean, is that <laughs> something that you could ever have imagined? Nah, no chance. You know, I, I, I would have been, I was all set to be playing junior football for, you know, till whenever. Uh, and I'd be, I, I, I'd have been happy at that. And no doubt there's, there's, there's fellas out there who have that mindset as well, but they've maybe just not been noticed. And But yeah, I, uh, to have, you know, what happened was, was fairy tale stuff, I suppose. Yeah, and so enjoyable. And I'm, I'm you know, I love Andrew. I really do. And, and it's such a special time for me and the memories and, you know, all the folks, you know, that I've bumped into over the years and people have got in touch and on Facebook and, and stuff. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And what are the happiest memories for you then? So I've made, I mean, I've touched on some, I mean, you've got great ones to choose from. You've scored the winning goal at Kirkcaldy to get us promoted. You've played in the in the Scottish Cup final, mm-hmm. uh, played, in, played in Europe. But I mean, are there any particular games that, that stick out in your mind as being the happiest memories for, for any reason? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the Cup final was amazing. But I think, I would, I would think... The the Cup Winners Cup uh, against Sparta Prague that was pretty special. Yeah, that was that was really good. Flying out a couple of days before that was that was good. But having said that, you know, going back to you know juggling stuff with the fire brigade after that night, and I never told Doddy this, but after that night we got back to Glasgow about. I don't know, one in the morning and I drove back down the road to Edinburgh. Then I had to get up at six in the morning to go to Edinburgh Airport and fly down to London to play for the British fire service side against the British police. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd have a good story to tell them if you got an injury in that game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that like? Where was that played? Was that quite a big deal? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge deal. That was played at... Is it Kenilworth Road? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was Luton or one of the London clubs, I think. And yeah. what's, that, what's attendance like at it? I know they have like army, like they have army against yeah, the There was nothing. It was, it was probably about, I don't know, 500 folk there. There wasn't, there wasn't hardly any folk there, but it was a big thing to both the services, to, mm-hmm. you know, that one up and shit. And like, you know, you could imagine, you know, it's your chance to kick a Polish man. <laughs> uh, and did you win? We did, yes, we did. Yeah, but I must admit, I was absolutely floored after it. I was so tired. I just I just went back to my hotel, slept the night, uh, slept for hours and hours and hours, and then got up the following day and, you talked about Prague there. What was because I wasn't there, but I speak to Andrew fans who went yeah. to class and stayed, uh, stayed in. They said it was like if you had three blocks of high rise flats, the hotel was in like just just in one of them. It was really uh, yeah. Prague at that time, nobody had really heard of compared to what it is now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And everything yeah. was incredibly cheap. They couldn't. Couldn't believe what it was like as an experience, but, but yeah. where, did the, where did the team stay in and what training facilities or anything did you have there? Yeah, uh, so we stayed in a, a pretty swanky hotel. Uh, it had a, its own cinema. It had its own bowling alley. Nice club, nice rooms and stuff, but you couldn't leave it. You couldn't. You, you couldn't go out as such. And I think we trained in, I think it was Sparta Prague's training facility. I think we were there a wee side bit. Never done, you know, anything too hectic. 
but the experience of it and you know knowing what you're there for and stuff you know that made it pretty special yeah it was, that, that was really good um, really good times and, and I, I'll never forget after after the game and obviously we've been beaten back at the airport but uh, all the Airdrie fans and stuff and we're all singing and going nuts it was it was just the best ever you know it was just brilliant uh, and throughout your time at, at Airdrie any I mean which teammates were the, the best players that you played with I mean, I'm thinking Owen Coyle would have been there uh mm-hmm. For quite a bit the same time as as you, uh, you mm. mentioned the guys that came in from Hearts who had a, a bit yeah. of a degree. But any, I mean, anybody else that impressed you? Yeah, I mean, I genuinely think you know on the first team there was all all of the players were more talented ability wise than I was, you know, which is fine, and you know that that's. Cool, because I do believe teams need to be, you know, have different strengths and, and what have you. So that, that, that's fine. But there's some brilliant players there, you know, like you know Coyley and, and Nipper, Blackie. You know, always wanted to receive the ball. You know, if you were struggling, regardless of if he was tucked in a corner somewhere, they'd still want the ball. You know, big jock, obviously. Uh, Amazing, amazing, you know, strong individual, you know, to have that at your back. <clears throat> Brilliant. Jimmy Sanderson, Jimmy Boyle, Davy Kirkwood, you know, man, what an ability that fella had. She's a lumber. <sighs> Chris, yeah. you know, the list goes on, you know, it's, you know, when you think back, you know, and you've been a, you know, an Airdrie, you know, supporter now, and you must think back, you know, looking at that, going, Christ, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah no, uh, definitely. I mean, uh, two, two Scottish Cup finals in, uh, yeah. in a three-year period, uh, when we've only ever played in four over 100 and whatever years. It is. Uh, it was. It was crazy. Uh, that, that it was. Uh, you were part of a group that achieved so much, uh, and we took it for granted at the time, and we still moaned at you from the main, uh, the main stand at Brimfield. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, football fans are, are, are never happy. Um, no. What? How did it end uh, at Airdrie then? Um, so, how did it, I know that you moved on to Air? Uh, how did how did it come to an end? Air approached Airdrie. Would like to speak to Evan. I was asked, I was kind of out the picture, I, I had I'd been out for months with a medial knee ligament injury and uh, I was asked if I wanted to speak to her, which I did. I went through one night over that Eaglesham moor. Jesus Christ. What? So you didn't want to go off the road there. So, yeah, I went down to here and then I had a medical then spoke to, it was Bill Barr, who owned them at the time. And uh, he just come out with how much they want. And uh, I just, I, was, I, I had no sort of uh, preconceived sort of number. And I just come out with something ridiculous. And uh, he went, right, no problem. <laughs> drove back up the road. Christ am I thinking, I wish I'd asked for me. <laughs> uh, so how did, did you know, I mean, you've played against Air, um, but but did you know anybody there, particularly why they wanted you, just because they'd seen you as an opponent? I don't know, I don't know. Well, so Gordon Gale was the gaffer. Mm-hmm. I played against Gordon a few times. I think they were just looking for somebody in the midfield that could do what I could do. But there was a couple of guys... Remember uh, Tony Shepard? That's another fireman. You remember Tony Shepard that played with Celtic? Mm, I know the name, but I'm struggling right. to quite, quite a little bit. He's actually he's, he's in the fire service. Really nice guy. But So I came down, they shifted him. So it's my first game doing at Stranmar. 
they shifted him to uh, to left midfield for me to go into centre midfield. And uh, I'll never forget there was a throw in and uh, he, he took it and I was shouting, Tony, Tony. And uh, of course he's absolutely bombed it at my left peg, thinking, right, I'll sort this bastard out. He's got me to take my place. And fortunately, of all the times, I managed to take it under control and play a pass. But I thought, you wanker. And he was shifted on the following week, right enough. <laughs> uh, so, what, and here, looking at it, you didn't seem like you had lots of appearances there. So, uh, nah. did, you, did you have injury or? Yeah, injury. And I got a call for. So, I had the injuries. I received a call for the fire service um, because I was off work for there. And I suppose, rightly so, they says, look, you're off work again and it's, you know, no fault of ours. If you're off again, we're, we're, we're going to stop your wages. So I was kind of thinking, maybe it's time now. So I just spoke to God with the L and stuff. I was out, you know, obviously I wasn't playing for them either. And that was it. I was up the road. So it seems like quite an abrupt... Uh, was that it? So no junior football or anything local to you after that? That was... Pretty much. That was it. Yeah. I was pretty... And yeah, I was pretty upset that, I, you know, I couldn't... You know, I, I knew I wasn't playing as well as I could. I was getting frustrated. But I just thought, no. Nah. And, and, and whether it was... Uh, part of the juggling act again with the, the fire service, you know, and maybe I just seen a way to end this. And uh, so I just bailed it. Yeah. So it's quite an abrupt end then from Scottish Cup final only a, a few years previous to, yeah. to, to bring an end to the career. Uh, how was that for you? Was that a shock to the system? Did you, did you miss the, the football? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But more so was an overwhelming relief of not having to worry about getting a guy to cover your night shift or, or day shift for you playing or whatever, you know. Um, that was hard going. I mean, there's something we spoke about before um, yeah. this interview, which was just around mental health. Uh, and you've touched on how stressful a lot of, of this was there. Um, mental health becoming a bigger issue which people are, are more comfortable talking about. You just mentioned you'd had tougher things in your life so I thought it'd be good to just give a bit of time to that. You're known as this big handsome fireman in the, in, the, in the Airdrie Hall of Fame, uh, a, a talented musician. Uh, so so uh, there will be Airdrie fans listening to this who struggle with their, their mental health uh, and I, I think a lot of the thing there is isolation and thinking you're the only person in that situation. It's probably quite a bit of comfort to uh, them to, to hear about other people in, in, in a similar situation. So I just wondered, was it, is there anything that you'd uh, be able to share with anybody listening to this about um, struggles that you've overcome and any tips that you would, you would pass on and what's helped you? Yeah, I think from my own personal perspective, I think making that initial breach of talking to someone, whether it be family, friend, you know, a professional psychologist or, or, or whatever, but certainly to make that first step of opening up, you know, whatever any individual is like, whether they are an open person or, you know, typically guys can be that, but and especially of my generation, pretty keep themselves to themselves emotionally. I think making that first step is, is a huge thing. I also think, you know, I've been hard on myself over the years. I know that, you know, um, you know I've, I've demanded stuff from, a, you know, physically to, to be able to do, play football and, you know, work in the fire service and, and what have you. But man, you need to give yourself a break at times. It's not, it's, it can't be full tilt the whole time. 
it's impossible. I used to think it wasn't impossible, but I'm paying for it now. You need to balance your life. You need to balance everything. You know, your your work, your your social, your pies and your vegetables. You know, that's entirely what it's all about. What else? Yeah, just, yeah, take it easy on yourself and and, and just recognise the signs. You know, if you're, if you're sitting at home on your tod having a beddy every night or you're sneaking a bottle and your missus is, you know, you're hiding it for your missus or, you know, and you're doing all these things, that's an indication that things are not right. And, you know, be honest to yourself and be honest. Be able to say at the end of the night, you know, I've done my best today. I've, I've done everything I can. You know, I, I, I've been kind, I've been respectful. You know, if you can say that, you know, hand in heart, you know, deep inside, if you can say, yeah, I've given it my best shot, I've been kind, been respectful, then you'll sleep well. You have to, but you have to be honest with yourself. And to finish on, on some lighter stuff, I mean, Evan, we, we, I'm doing an interview here, so, uh, but I'd like to speak a bit about just how your fans see you. So uh, you've played in that very successful team, um, mm-hmm. but you were, you talk about different roles. Uh, I think you shouldn't underestimate how much football fans appreciate uh hard work, especially at Airdrie. They always talk about what's a club's identity and what's a club's DNA. Uh, I think part of the reason why you were loved was just this no-holds-barred. Uh, we could see the effort going in. Uh, you, you would never leave anything uh, off the not, or not give your all on the pitch. And when, when you hear the stories about you were actually sometimes finishing and driving straight to work, that makes that, that more impressive. I um, mean, you've talked about meeting people, um, friends with Colin Morrison, who's got a son called Evan yeah. uh, after yeah, you. Yeah. So um, that, that's how high esteem that you, you're held in. So th- thank you for everything that you uh, you did for the club that we all support. Oh, it's, it's, it's great memories that, that, that you've given us. Um, it's also, I'd spoken to George, but I'd also, I'd reached out to uh, to Holly. So just a, what was quite a funny story to me. To your daughter Holly, just to say, is anything yeah, yeah. came about your, your your dad that I can drop into the interview? So what did make me laugh was she was uh, she was talking about having played football with you and uh, this. Although you were an uncompromising midfielder, uh, you, you you came off second best in a, a tackle with a clothesline. I understand, yeah, right. and ended up needing stitches in your face. So I was just yeah. a, a right, who had never shipped a tackle in his life. Uh, get, right. Ended up in a hospital from oh, a clothesline. <laughs> what happened there? Oh man! The first thing I done was got up and looked about to see if anybody had seen us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just never seen it. <laughs> And she, she also said you once came off a water flume and took out a couple of ribs as well. So, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. injury prone off yeah, the pitch. Yeah. Listen, Colin, I do nothing but half. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> I, I know, but, but what? So these days you're not in the fire service anymore. Um, the, the band, I understand, is still going strong. Um, yeah, yeah. At the moment, obviously, yeah, yeah. weddings or, or big weddings are off. Um, but yeah. tell us a bit about. Um, what you do musically now and there will be Airdrie fans getting married and who better to have um, singing at your yeah, wedding than somebody in the, the, the Hall of Fame with a, a Scottish Cup mm-hmm. final medal and he's uh, yeah, in yeah, definitely. tell us a bit about it yeah so the music thing kind of kicked off I think I only had one gig while I played with air so I was playing in the afternoon football in the afternoon and I was playing with the band at night but you know, because of roaring during the football match, my voice wasn't worth tuppence at night. So I had to knock that in the head. Yeah, I've done I've done loads of stuff. Uh, loads of weddings. Uh, I used to play in a, a bar in Victoria Street in Edinburgh called Finnegan's Wake. I used to play there every Wednesday night. So that, you know, I've kind of went from having to get Saturday afternoons off, I'm now getting Wednesday nights off to play in the pub. Uh, you know, so if I was nicer that night, I'd get somebody to 
work my shift up until, you know, half 12 or whatever, then I would go back to the fire station uh, after, you know, playing guitar and singing, what have you, go on the run. Yeah, uh, I've done a few bits of recording, but it's, uh, it's genuinely just a love of music, you know, I, I love everything about it. And, you know, we alluded to mental health here, you know, for me, that's, that's a get out, definitely. Yeah. What's the band called? And anybody listening? So to- the band is called the band is called Back Green. All one word, Back Green. Uh, there's a Facebook page. I think there's a website as well. I played. Uh, Doddy got me to play at Kirk and Tillich Rangers Club one night, and uh, this fella phoned me up. He's, uh, oh, I um, uh, I heard you were you're you're going to be playing here. I says I says can I am just going to make up some flyers. What's your name? I says Mag Green. He says you do know me at Rangers Club. <laughs> oh yeah. And I played at Parkhead one time in the Kerrydale Suite, and I played the the week after. Remember there was a it was in the uh, Sunday Mail that had a female entertainer, and. Uh, she started singing simply the best at the end of her set, not realising, you know, she had no idea about Celtic Rangers yeah. and what happened. And she, it was the old Shepherd's Creek. <laughs> she tried to pull her off. And, and as, for me, picks up the boy was like saying, look, see the night, lads. Nay, simply the best. Nay, daydream believer, because of her, yeah. it was all Tommy Burns and stuff. Oh, mental. I've had some laughs over the years, like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. And uh, you, you've retired from the fire service now, so what's what, what's the new hobbies? How do you fill the time? Music will be part of it, but what else do you get up to? Yeah, uh, uh, fishing. I do a lot of hill walking, running, yeah, family. That's me. What about tennis? George mentioned that he was good at beating you at tennis. <sighs> No chance, man. No <laughs> chance. We used to, I used to stay at a place that uh, we had tennis court outside and we got home for a night out one time, about three in the morning, and uh, we started having a beer in the house and then I kind of thought, fuck, I fancy a game of tennis. So sure enough, over the went, put the lights on, had a game of tennis at about four in the morning. <laughs> Brilliant. Hmm. Uh, it was a high quality match. It doesn't, doesn't uh, seem like ideal preparation for it. I, I don't think quality came in. It's <laughs> more to do with ferocity of yourself. <laughs> Evan, that's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed that. I will. Oh, uh, cool, man. Me too. Thank you for listening. A big thanks to Evan for his time for the interview and also to Robert Dozell for letting me use one of his excellent photos for the artwork. What better way to finish? and for Evan and his band The Back Green to play us out. Don't you let nothing
Yeah. 